Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Satya, how are you today? Ooh, I'm hanging in there, you know, mommin ain't easy. <laughs> It, it isn't. And we were just saying, well, I was just saying before we started the conversation that my husband's been out of town and I've been solo mommying. So it feels like my brain is not in my head. So I feel that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, you know, it takes up so much space, like so much mental space and emotional space. And yeah, I, you know, I was telling you that even when I haven't like checked a bunch of stuff off my to-do list, it still feels like a lot has been going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is, right? Like there is a lot of stuff going on when you're mothering. Satya, it's so amazing to be able to sit down and chat with you. Um, but before we get started, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. Uh, so I'm Satya and I'm the host of Our Mother's Gardens, a podcast. On that podcast, I speak with Black women about their relationships with their mothers and dive into how their mothers shaped who they are, either directly or by the example that was set and things that the women observed, and also how who their mothers were informs how they now take care of themselves Mm -hmm. and also how they see the world and how they define success and all of the ways in which they were mothered and how those affect, you know, the people that they are. So I have binged listened to your podcast and how we got connected was like really random, but beautiful as far as like being in conversation and community. And when you shared with me about your podcast, I literally binged, shared it with all my girlfriends and we've all like been sobbing over the show. Um, <laughs> It is so necessary and so needed. And what I want to talk with you today about is what called you to create this show and also what called you to answer, you know, the, I guess, answer the call to Mm -hmm. talking about mothering, self-care and what we've learned from the women who've raised us. Mm. So I think it was actually around... Mother's Day of 2019 that I actually had the idea for the podcast. Mother's Day is a challenging day for me. It's bitter. It's bittersweet. I have my four beautiful babies and I'm incredibly grateful for them, but I don't have a relationship with with my biological mother. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I that has taken a lot of healing and that I'm still healing through and that I'm still making my peace with. And I am still unpacking all of the ways in which that relationship growing up and into adulthood impacted me and my sense of self. And a really big sticking point for me was when I had my own kids and I knew that there were things that I wanted to do differently. But fast forward to 2019, being, you know, on the gram and (laughs) being on social media on Mother's Day, you know, there's 
all of these outpourings, you know, of people's, oh, I have the best mom ever Mm -hmm. and so grateful for my mom and I wouldn't be who I am without my mom. And, you know, it was, it had been challenging for me to be on social media on that day. And I kind of would take a step back from it, but for whatever reason that year I didn't. And I saw a few different posts from, I think one was Sophia Rowe, but from women who had had challenging experiences with their moms and not all of them were challenging, but it just felt like there was a better representation of those relationships that day when I was, when I was looking through my feed and, you know, I thought about all of the ways in which black motherhood is stereotyped and thought of in popular culture and thought it would be beautiful to have a space to unpack those relationships and all of the different ways in which those relationships show up. Uh, So, you know, Mama Toni Morrison said that if there is a story that you want to hear and it hasn't been told, then that means you have to tell it. Mm. And so it was at that point that I started, you know, got the wheels turning and got things in motion to create, create this podcast. Mm, And it's so beautiful. And thank you. I want to touch on the complicatedness Mm -hmm. in motherhood, in Mm -hmm. relationships with the women who raised us. And Mm -hmm. I really love how you spoke about Mother's Day and how it was kind of, it's, triggering and and kind of sad maybe even a day of grieving um and I wonder what ways on that day and always Mm -hmm. do you remother yourself as you walk through not having a relationship with your biological mother well my mother my mother stopped speaking to me in 2008 And so in the beginning, I would write letters. (laughs) I would write letters to her that I knew I wasn't going to send, but the things that I wanted to say to her on Mother's Day, I would write them down. And in addition to, you know, hosting the podcast, I'm also a writer. And so writing things down is my preferred way of communicating. I will actually tell my husband, like, can I write you a letter? <laughs> I'm like, we can have a conversation, but let me write you this letter right quick. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I can explain it better that way. And so that's, the same has been true of my healing, journaling and writing things down and storytelling has been a big part of how I heal. So in the beginning, it was, you know, writing the things that I wanted to say that I felt like I couldn't say to her, I would write them down. And now, you know, I write things for myself. I journal on that day. I uh, give it to the water, which is what I call it when I go find myself a body of water, a creek, a lake, a river, and put my feet in the water and just, you know, ground down in the earth and listen to the sound of the water. So that, that time in, in nature is really rejuvenating and, and healing for me. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I do. I find I find my way to to the words and to the water. Mm. 
When did you start that practice? Like how long did it take for you to realize that that relationship with your mom was no longer and you would have to find different ways to nurture yourself and nourish yourself in your healing without maybe an explanation? Mm. It's interesting because I grew up watching my mother cut people off. Like that was common for her. I had a very, it wasn't tight knit, but it was a very small family unit when I was growing up in terms of who was there consistently Mm -hmm. because my mother would cut people off so frequently that the only people I could really count on being there or know that they would be there in whatever capacity that they were going to be there were my two younger sisters and my mother um, because everyone else would come and go. Even having watched her do that, when it happened to me, I didn't believe it at first. I felt like, but, but I'm her daughter though, and that's sacred. So I know that I've seen her, you know, observed her cut other people off, sisters, parents, you know, I've seen her do it, but it, not to me because I'm her daughter and that that's different. Like even with all of the dysfunction and abuse growing up, it still felt like that relationship would be a sacred one. Mm-hmm. I first had to recognize what was happening and that it probably took me a year to really recognize that she was not interested in having a relationship with me. Wow. Um, yeah. And it probably took another two years to get away from feeling like it was my fault mm. and like there was something wrong with me. And, you know, how could I be a good person? if my own mother wanted nothing to do with me. And then probably another year after that of realizing that she'd actually given me a gift. The relationship that I had with my mother when we were communicating all the time, I was anxious all the time. When the phone rang, I never knew what it was going to be, what version of her I was going to get, what she was going to tell me about what I wasn't doing and what I wasn't enough of or how I'd messed up in some way and didn't know. And Mm. I was always on eggshells and on my toes whenever the phone rang and I saw her name come across the screen, it was like, okay, what's it going to be? You know, and I didn't grow up with a consistent father figure. And for a long time, I thought that that was the cause of a lot of my issues of self-worth and, you know, my self-esteem issues. But at some point in those years after she stopped speaking to me and I unpacked, you know, unpacked it, I realized that her presence had done a lot more harm Mm. than the lack of presence of a father figure. And so, you know, I realized I was like, well, this is someone that I am meant to love from a distance and I am healthier now that I get to love her from a distance. And by letting me go, Mm. she has given me this gift to live lighter and freer and healthier Mm. without her being a daily presence in my life. But it took a lot, (laughs) a lot to get there. Yeah. Years and years. Yeah. Wow. 
And so as you move through mothering your children and remothering yourself, I like how you talked about your mom disconnecting from you as a gift. Mm -hmm. Actually, you were able to see it as a gift and not internalize her inability to show up as something that you did wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And so as you mother your children and remother yourself, what are the greatest gifts that you think have presented themselves along the way that you had to pick up on your own or even that you had to or that you were able to pick up from your mom's lack of presence? Like, how were you able to move through the messiness and the beauty of it all? I learned that I'm allowed to make mistakes. I learned that making mistakes doesn't diminish my worth and doesn't diminish the quality of who I am. And learning that has allowed me to then model that for my children, my oldest two are very hard on themselves and, you know, really they want to get it right the first time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, sometimes I'm like, what does that mean? What do you mean you want to get it right? What is right? You know, mm-hmm. right can look a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in that wanting to get it right, I'm like, and so, and so if you don't, then what happens, mm-hmm. you know, what is the worst that happens If you don't, quote unquote, get it right the first time, I'm still here. I still love you. You're still here. You're still a wonderful, beautiful person. You made a mistake. Did you learn? Did you learn something? Did you learn something, you know, outside of yourself? Did you learn something about yourself? Mm -hmm. Those are the important things. But I had to know that before I could teach them that, because even though I believe that was true for them. I had to believe it was true for me, I think, in order to guide them in a way that they would believe me, Mm. that they would know it was true. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have held as much weight for me to tell them all of that, but then for them to see me rake myself over the coals for making mistakes. And even in that, you know, making mistakes, it's also in the way that I parent them. Sometimes I get it wrong and, you know, I will say, hey, you didn't do X, Y, or Z. And then it turns out that they actually did. And I'm like, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Mm. You did do that thing, you know, or you didn't do that thing that I thought that you did, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm. And I apologize. And I think, you know, especially in the Black community and, you know, with older Black folks, this idea of apologizing to your kids seems real wild, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I don't think it diminishes me as their mother. If anything, I think it makes us stronger because it's not just because I said so. It's not I'm always right even when I'm not. Mm. It's, you know, I'm a human being just like you're a human being. And sometimes I will get it wrong and that's okay. And sometimes you will get it wrong and that's okay. And this is how you apologize. And this is how you do things differently. And, or this is how you make amends when that happens. Mm Mm. 
I resonate so deeply with that. I had to apologize to my 13-year-old and my three-year-old yesterday Mm -hmm. because I was just having a really shitty day and I was so on edge and tired and snappy and impatient. And I said to them both that I'm so sorry that I was not my best self and I love you all so deeply just making sure that they know that even on my worst day, mm-hmm. even when I get it wrong, even when I'm not right, mm-hmm. I love them. Right. And I honor them and I will apologize when I drop the ball. Mm-hmm. And that in turn shows them that they can be human and that mm-hmm. they can do the same. And they do. Even our three-year-old will She's getting better at apologizing. (laughs) It's that leading by example, which I really love that you talked about, like, especially as Black folks, Mm -hmm. normalizing this new behavior and this new language that we have with our children, right? normalizing this this flawedness that we have as human beings so that they can see they don't have to move through the world perfect or getting it right the first time or on their bad days. It doesn't mean they're a shitty person. It just means they had a shitty day and and you can get back up again Mm -hmm. and you can make amends, right? So- I really love how you said, like, everything that you said, but especially when you were saying, like, because I said so, and mm-hmm. I'm right, even when I'm wrong, because that was how I was raised. And it's just right. like, no, that's, that didn't happen. And then, you get, and then you end up gaslighting yourself. Like, they don't even have to do it for you. You yeah. do it for yourself. Because she's like, well, they seem real, you know, like, <laughs> real sure. sure. Right. So it must be me. The other day I actually caught myself saying, because I said so to my (laughs) three-year-old, because she was just asking the same question over and over. And why? But why? But why? And I'm just like, because mama said, because mama said. And then I thought like, (laughs) I hated when my mother said that to me. I need to not say that to my children. (laughs) There's the humanness right here, Right. right? There's the like, okay, I didn't like that growing up. So let me shift how I'm behaving and how I'm speaking to my kids. Even though I want to say, because I just said so. And can it just be because I said so? And even with her, even with a three-year-old, they have, they don't care. So it's like, I don't care what you said. I want to know why. Oh gosh. I guess before we wrap up, I mean, I could talk to you forever. I really (laughs) just love your I love your energy. I love your wisdom. And I'm just so very moved by your bravery in talking about motherhood and also your relationship with your mother and not being silent about it. Because I know that there are so many women and people out there who have estranged relationships yeah. or no or no relationship at all, rather, with right. their parents. And before we go, I do want to know how that's impacted you in both the gifted ways mm-hmm. and the challenging ways to understand that things may always be this way mm-hmm. and making peace with that as you grow older and move through the world. So even as I made my way through healing and recognizing the situation as it was, there was still, and if I'm being honest, there is still a part of me 
that feels like, well, it can't be like this forever, right? Like Mm -hmm. at some point, I mean, we'll come back together or, you know, she'll make different choices and choose to be a healthier person and choose to show up in my life and in her own life in ways that are no longer toxic. So that hope is still there. But I've also done the work to make peace with the fact that it may not happen. I hold out that hope. Maybe one day, maybe one day I won't. But at least up until this point, I do. But I also recognize that I can still have a relationship with her without speaking to her. Mm-hmm. It sounds a little morbid, but I, so I lost my grandmother last June. It's been almost a year. It was June 29th of last year. Mm-hmm. And I felt crushed because this was, you know, this was the woman who I learned unconditional love from. This was the woman, you know, who was a healthy mother figure in my in my life when, when I was able to have her in my life. And once I became an adult and could choose for myself, you know, she was always there and it felt like this huge blow that she was gone. And now I don't get to talk to her and I don't get to, you know, ask her for advice. And, you know, I had to stop myself and say, there have been a million conversations Mm that me and, you know, my nanny have had the wisdom that, you know, she shares with that she has shared with me is still accessible to me, even with her gone. And when I pray, oftentimes I'm just talking to her. And just because she's not on this plane anymore, doesn't mean that I can't talk to her. It doesn't mean I can't have a conversation with her. And I do. When I really need my nanny, I sit and I meditate and I pray and I say what I want and need to say to her. And I swear sometimes I hear her talking back to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and part of that may be, you know, because of all the conversations we had that I know what she would say. You know, mm-hmm. I know what she would offer me. I know the things that she would give me to help me, you know, in certain situations. And so I had to recognize, okay, so if I can continue to have a relationship with this woman that is no longer on this earthly plane, well, I can have a relationship with my mother. It may not look like Mm. what other people have. It may not be, you know, what I want for me and my children to have when they are adults and, you know, the way that I want that to develop. But that doesn't mean that I have nothing. That doesn't mean that the relationship doesn't exist. It just means it looks different and different isn't, you know, my husband's really good about helping me. He's like, it's not always good or bad. Sometimes it's just different. Mm. And he's like, we, you know, assign judgment to things a lot and say, oh, this is good. And this is bad. He was like, but sometimes it just is. And so, you know, the relationship, I have a relationship with my mother. I do, you know, I say prayers to my ancestors every morning and, you know, pray over the people in my life that I love and care for. And I pray for her every morning um, and send her love every morning. Mm -hmm. And I think coming to that peace and maintaining that kind of relationship has made it 
a little easier for me to manage the fact that that may be it. That may be all we have. And it's also helped me through forgiveness because the apologies will likely never come. You know, I can't hold my breath waiting on them to come because they're not, you know, more likely than not, I'm not going to get them. And I was just telling my 15 year old the other day, actually my 15 year old and my 13 year old that forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I told them, I said, when you forgive someone, I was like all that energy and all that tension that you were holding in your body, being upset with that person and being angry with that person, you get to put it down and you get to let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't have to carry it anymore. And that's for you. I was like, psychically, you know, yeah, it's good for them that someone isn't out there angry with them. I was like, but Mm. really it's for you. Um, And so I think, you know, that's doing meditating and praying and developing this other kind of relationship with my mother is how I've been able to heal and make peace and find forgiveness. It's a journey. And, you know, during, during this pandemic and watching people get ill and, you know, get, and people die. And it was scary to me to think, you know, again, I think that was again, part of the, like, how do I have another kind of relationship? How do I continue? How, you know, how do I continue to make my peace with this? Because I was scared. I was like, what if, what if my mom passes away? You know, like, what if this really is it, you know, like that you never know, you know, you never know what tomorrow may bring. I had my brother-in-law died very suddenly two years ago. He was just in, just came home from a hike with his son and Mm. just gone. Mm. And it was shocking to me. I, never in a million years would have thought that we would lose him that way. So you never know. And so I think that not knowing was also another push to find that peace and to try to put down more of what I was carrying when it comes to those mother wounds and also recognizing, which my mother-in-law has been really good about helping me to recognize that forgiveness is not like a definitive thing, much like healing. She's like, some days you'll be at hundred percent forgiveness. And then other days it'll be like 20 and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, forgiveness is a continuum. And so I am in this place of forgiveness with my mother, but where I fall in that continuum, where I fall on that spectrum shifts um, because it's, it's constant work. If you were mentoring your younger self, what would you tell her and what would you teach her? I think I would ask her a lot of questions because younger me basically did what she needed to do to survive and to hurt less. Mm. Or at least that was the motivation. That was, that was the hope was that if I do this, it'll bring less pain. If I do this, I'll struggle a little less. And so I think I would ask her, why are you doing that? What do you want 
not what does mommy want, not what does this friend want. What do you want? What do you need? What will fill you up? Because then these relationships that you have, you'll see them in a new light and you'll know which ones are worth having. And the ones that are worth having, you'll be able to give to in a fuller capacity because you're full. I think I would also tell her that I love her because I know it took a really long time for me to tell myself that I love myself. I was almost 30. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a long time coming. And I think hearing that and knowing that we would get there would be so important for a younger me to hear because we felt so far from that. I felt so far from that for so long. Mm. And I, I don't know. I wish I could just show her a day in my life, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like this is, we end up here. It's going to be okay. We end up here, you know, and it's not perfect and we're still finding our way, but you're going to make it. And there will be people who love you really love you and you'll know that love isn't just pain you know just hang in there thanks for listening to the show today please rate subscribe and review also feel free to share with a friend we love having our community grow music is by dc's own kokai Hey Girl Podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.